we turn to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 44, and here we see Judah finally uh, making amends and certainly being completely different to how he has been, not just portrayed, but how he has acted uh, in uh, the previous um, part of his life. When you start in Matthew's Gospel and you go through the genealogy of Jesus and you see there how uh, Jacob is there and then out of Jacob we have uh, Judah and Jesus that we see is of the line of David, of the line of Judah and therefore we would assume that Judah surely must have a prominent place uh, amongst the patriarchs, even amongst the, uh, the scriptures. And so then when we go looking for Judah, we find actually that he is a small, or seemingly small part in the story of Joseph. Joseph taking over a dozen chapters in the book of Genesis. Joseph, the one who was righteous before God. Joseph is the one who kept himself pure even when chased after by Potiphar's wife. And so therefore we think to ourselves, well, well what is God showing us here through his word? But here we have the genealogy of Matthew beginning uh, the New Testament, in the, the first book of the, the Old Testament, uh, the, the final uh, dozen or so chapters, all seemingly about Joseph. And yet then when we turn to the final book of Scripture, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, we see there, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. Not the tribe of Joseph, but the tribe of Judah has conquered. This Jesus, as we know, is the Lion of Judah, the Lamb that was slain. And so as we come to the first book of the Bible, to the what really is the climax of, uh, of Joseph's story, what we find is Judah taking a, a prominent place in it. And so therefore, out of this, we'll be asking, well, why is it then that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah? And not Jesus, the lion of the tribe of, of Joseph. For remember, Joseph is, is Jacob's favored son. And Joseph is, the, uh, is, is what the last few chapters, a large portion of the book of Genesis is about. We have Abraham, then Isaac, and Jacob. And then Joseph. So we have Judah and Joseph, half-brothers, we know, both sons of Jacob and ten other brothers as well from uh, Leah and uh, Rachel and the, uh, the, 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 the maidservants. And we see that it's, it's really it's all about Joseph the favoured one of, of, of Israel, of, of, of Jacob. And then we go back, we, we know the story of uh, um, 
how Joseph received these dreams and he interpreted them and he got his brothers' backs up and lauded it over them and they hated him. They knew that their father loved him more than they were loved by him. The dream certainly uh, didn't help his cause, especially when he says, well, one day you will bow down. Even my father will bow down before me. And so when they had that opportunity, remember, to, uh, to kill him, uh, they nearly accomplished that. We remember how, even though he was saved uh, from being murdered but put into slavery, how, how God was with Joseph and how Joseph led a, a, a good life and that God blessed uh, Joseph even uh, when he was uh, in prison, that even though there uh, he was seemingly forgotten about and uh, Pharaoh, remember, had those dreams and Joseph interpreted them and he was made prime minister and as Judah even says, just equal with Pharaoh. And out of that, uh, we have the, the story coming uh, full circle with the brothers now coming back into contact uh, together. That Joseph is there. Remember, they do not know uh, who he is. How would they think that? But why is it again that, that Judah is the one and not Joseph? Why is it that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Joseph, who was pure and righteous before God, that, that obviously Joseph was the one that God was with all of those years, even in captivity, even in slavery. And they received that blessing when he was raised to that position of prime minister even. And so therefore, let's just look at this from uh, uh, Judah, Judah's perspective. What happened with Judah? What we see first and foremost is really how Judah was making mistake after mistake after mistake, blatantly making big mistakes. We know that the brothers, when they were plotting uh, against Joseph, they said, well, let's murder him. Let's just murder him. Let's kill him. It was Judah, remember, that came along and said, well, actually, uh, we can gain something from this. Because if we just murder him, then, well, we haven't really gained much. And so it might be seemingly that we think that Judah's doing a nice thing to Joseph by sparing. But in fact, what Judah is doing is he's actually going, well, if we sell him into slavery, to these slave traders, we'll actually gain a bit of money and it'll be a win-win situation. He'll be out of our lives. He'll be suffering. There's no way he's going to ever be lording it over us. And we'll get some money out of it also. He says, well, what profit is it if we kill our brother? Let's, let's sell him. We'll get rid of him. And we'll make a bit of a profit out of it as well. And Judah is the one whose voice is heard by the brothers. They don't murder him. They sell Joseph as a slave. And then we uh, remember that uh, uh, episode with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. 
despicable act that uh, uh, he, he carried out with her. And also how he uh, was, didn't want to give uh, the final brother, his son, to be married to her. Just the wickedness there, the, the immorality of Judah in that whole sordid episode. Surely, <laughs> this cannot be how. Jesus can be known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. What is God doing here? But really what it's showing us is really how we, we need to look at Judah when we look in the story of, of Joseph. Because what comes along in Judah's life is these journeys down to Egypt where the family is tested, the brothers are tested. Even Jacob, the father, is tested. And it's Joseph who is putting them through their paces. Joseph is the one who is testing them. And what he's asking of them is this. Have you changed? Are you now different to those murdering, scheming brothers that I once knew those decades ago? And so therefore he puts these tests. And Judah is the one, as we read, because when we read uh, Genesis 44, the bulk of it is Judah speaking. Judah is speaking the majority of the time. He's speaking up for the brothers. Judah is now leading uh, the way. And so first and foremost, what I want us to see is, well, where has Judah come from? A man who is the despicable acts of murder and treachery, who did not deal well with his own family. But then what happens is, as Joseph tests his brothers, what we see is that change in Judah. We know that in uh, Genesis 42 that, that Jacob had sent his sons. Obviously, he didn't send Benjamin because he was never going to leave Benjamin, uh, out of, uh, Benjamin out of his sight, really, because a famine has taken hold. And here's God again, isn't it? There's a famine. And, but all of this is in God's sovereign plan. All of this is so that he can be glorified and also we can get to that genealogy in Matthew, the line of Jesus Joseph is now uh, Lord. People are bowing down to him. He's the prime minister. He's on equal footing with, with Pharaoh. Pharaoh has handed over the, really the ruling of the kingdom uh, to Joseph. And Joseph recognizes his brothers, but obviously they do not recognize him. He sends them home, uh, gives them plenty of food. Remember, he keeps Simeon until they return, because ultimately he wants to see whether or not they have changed. Because what he wants is Benjamin. Benjamin, his brother. The Benjamin, who Jacob will not let out of his sight. Benjamin, who he doesn't even know, is still alive. It may be that the brothers have killed Benjamin also. They killed him. Or they wanted to kill him, put him into slavery. So, so have they actually uh, done something bad to his brother? Rachel's on the other side. The one who is now the beloved of Jacob. 
And so uh, Joseph is testing uh, the brothers, and even and Jacob also. And Judah is the one who now uh, comes to the fore, uh, especially with his father. Because what we have is, what we read as well, is that another brother, uh, Reuben, comes up with a good idea, which is a pretty horrific uh, plan if it was ever to come to fruition. Uh, Reuben says, okay, well, if you uh, send Jacob... So, the, the, uh, so, so Jacob, if you, if you send, Father, if you send Benjamin then uh, to get more food, then if I do not bring Benjamin back, then you can kill my two sons. Now, as a promise, that's a pretty horrific promise. Uh, not only is he losing a son, Benjamin, who hasn't come back, he's also then going to kill two of his grandsons. Not a good idea, I, I think. Jacob says, no, that is not going to happen. The famine continues. The family are getting desperate. And Jacob therefore realizes that he needs to send Benjamin with the brothers. And so Judah then comes up with his idea, his plan. And what Judah says is, well, I will go with Benjamin and the rest of the brothers. And we will go, and that we may live and not die, because obviously the famine is taking hold, and we're going to die if we remain here, both we and you and also our little ones. And what he says is, I will be a promise of his safety, a surety of his safety. I will be that guarantee, that guarantor, that surety, that pledge, from my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And here we see Judah being honorable. Reuben's idea was not a good idea at all. But Judah is now stepping forward and saying, well, okay, what will happen? This is, what, this is also when we remember we read in, in, in Genesis 44 where Judah says, send Benjamin back and I will stay in his place. I will remain as your slave, but send the lad back to his father. <clears throat> and so Jacob uh, agrees. Benjamin is now uh, in, the, in the trust of, of, of Judah. They return, as we read, uh, Benjamin is well fed more than the others. And then as he uh, to return home, uh, that cup is put in along with the silver uh, into the brothers' sacks. It's all about uh, the cup was the key. Cup planted by Joseph, found in Benjamin's sack. And that condemns Benjamin now to return. Remember the servant was repeating the words of his master, Joseph? said, no, it's not about the money, it's about the cup. The one who has the cup, which was Benjamin, will be the one who returns as the slave. And the rest of you brothers can return home to your father. Joseph testing his brothers. So Judah and his uh, uh, brothers... They have to return back to 
Joseph, fear and trepidation. And Judah knows what he must do. Although he didn't have to do it, he could have just reneged on that. He could have just returned back home, safe and sound, into the comfort of his own family, left Benjamin behind. But he didn't. And what he says at the end of uh, Genesis 44, he says, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. You can hear this, this Judah here pleading with Joseph, the prime minister who does not know is his brother, and say, No, I, I pray thee, let thy servant abide. Let me abide here. Send the lad back home to his father. <clears throat> Judah becomes that guarantee, that promise, that surety of safety for Benjamin taking his place. If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. I will now be a slave. I will now be a servant. For I am the surety, the guarantee, the pledge of safety for my brother Benjamin. Judah is now ready to sacrifice himself for his brother. And we see there the, the, the complete change in, in Judah compared to when he wanted to put Joseph, his brother, into slavery. When he said, well, what profit is it if we just murder him? Why don't we just sell him into slavery? We'll be rid of him and we'll have gained from it. See the contrast, see the change in Judah here. He pleads, he cries, he says, I pray thee, let my brother go. I will stand in his place. I will be that, that sacrifice for him. And what's the consequence of this? Well, we didn't read into 40, chapter 45. Well, let's read it now. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, well, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Joseph here, he's put them through that test. And Judah is the one who has come to the forefront. Judah, the one who is willing to sacrifice himself. As that surety, as that pledge, as that guarantee. Joseph weeps aloud, tears of joy. And says, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? His brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence, which they would be. Such an amazing um, situation we have there of a family coming back together after so long apart. The brothers obviously are terrified, knowing that the one that they have been in front of, the one who has uh, their life in his hands is the one that they wanted to murder all those years before and they are terrified. But what does he say? He, he says no. He says, Joseph said, come near to me, I pray you. 
And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry of yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. God did send me before you to preserve life. So what we find here is that the story is not about the line of Joseph. Joseph sent into uh, slavery, so that Judah may live. This is God's design. God did send me before you to preserve life. And then he says, go and bring uh, the family back. So here we see how Joseph uh, is God-centered, not self-centered. He's God-centered. He realizes that God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me. You didn't send me. It wasn't your plans, Judah, to sell me into slavery rather than murder me. It was not you who sent me, but God. And when we, remember when we come to the, uh, the, the last chapter in Genesis, in the last few words there, isn't it? Uh, of uh, verse verse 20 but as for you ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive Genesis 50 verse 20 that amazing verse that reveals to us uh, the will of God but as for you ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto God yes what they decided to do was evil but God made it for good And so, therefore, we see the, the purpose of God, the sovereignty of God, God uh, uh, working in the way that Joseph was badly treated. Yes, what they did was evil. Yes, they were accountable for that. You cannot lay that blame on God. But Joseph, remember, says, you meant evil against me. And yet, even in evil, isn't it, that especially in the, the book of, of Genesis and, and throughout the Bible, especially when we come to the cross of Christ, that God shows himself to be in full and absolute control. Sovereign over all, over all times, over all situations, over all uh, circumstances, taking the, the evil acts of, of men and uh, brings about his saving good for his people as we see that so obviously in his own son at the cross. So we see there Joseph comforting his uh, brothers who are in distress because he assures them that God is in this situation, that God is in this situation. And so we look back to, to Judah. And what we see here is this change in Judah from what he was before to who he is now, where he is in that position where he'll even sacrifice himself to save another, offering himself up in, in Benjamin's place. And therefore he passes that test that Joseph has put before him. That the Judah is that promise, that pledge, that guarantee of safety for Benjamin. Showing that, that, that love that Judah now has 
for his brother, for his fellow brother and his father. He certainly cannot be the same person that he was all those years before when he said, no, let's just sell him into slavery and we'll get some money out of it. For what profit is there just in murdering him? He could have just gone back to his father. But no, he was prepared to be that sacrifice. And so we see there how the change in Judah. And so therefore, we come once more to Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we see, okay, well, what now then does this mean? What does, well, why does Jesus now call himself the, the, the lion of the tribe of, of, of Judah? And we see, don't we, uh, as Jacob, uh, uh, Israel is coming to the end of his life and he is blessing his children. And at that point, as he's blessing all of his children, we see, don't we, when he comes to Judah, uh, he, he, he speaks so much about uh, uh, Judah from, from verse 8 onwards. And what does he say in verse 10? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people uh, be. Jacob could not have given this blessing at the beginning of uh, the story of Judah. But certainly now, as at the end of the story of this family, with Judah being the, the promise of safety for his younger brother, that, that guaranteed, even preparing to sacrifice himself, Israel, Jacob, is now able to give this godly blessing. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And as we see here, this is the kind of person that God means to have as a, as a leader uh, in his kingdom. And we see that so much, uh, therefore, uh, in Judah. And so, therefore, we can ask that question, well, what about you? We, we, we look at Judah and we see that, that change in him. Now he's, he, he's not exploiting others, uh, but he's going to be that sacrifice for them, to sacrifice himself for them. He's not uh, trying to uh, uh, tread on other people to lift himself up, but now he wants to, to, to lift others up, to encourage others, to, to, to want the best for them. Certainly his position in the family, not using that power in his position to, to hurt others, but to, to, to help others. And we see that in that test that Joseph set for brother, his brothers, that Judah certainly is the one that passed. We only have a fleeting uh, image. We don't see the what happened to, to Judah throughout the course of his life, or what made that change in him, or how God uh, led him into that change from that man who was prepared to kill or, or even uh, uh, offer his, his brother as a slave, to the way that he treated his very own family and even his daughter-in-law in that uh, horrendous way. But that we, we have what we, we see in Judah and what became of him and how he changed. And we want that for ourselves, don't we? 
to, 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 to live that life. That once we were uh, people whose heart was for ourselves, we were self-centered, you were self-centered, but now you have a heart that wants to serve God. To see others be lifted up before God. To encourage one another. To bring the glory of God. But it's not just about ourselves. Because how we started here, we, we read in Revelation 5 verse 5, that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so this is his one of his names. Why is he, uh, did he take upon this name for himself? Why does Revelation 5 verse 5 ha have that as a name? And we know that Jesus is that guarantee. He is that saviour. He is the one who would sacrifice himself. He is that promise of safety for us. He is the embodiment of what Judah was trying to be. And could not be even for his own brother, really. Only Jesus could take uh, that perfect place, that be that perfect embodiment of what Judah uh, became. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah has conquered and so therefore, as we, we come to a close, we see Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as Jesus as the one who said, I will be a promise for their safety. The Father sending the Son into the world, that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I will go. I will be the one. I will be the sacrifice. I will put myself in that place of, so that they may be safe. I promise myself to them. And just as Judah said, I'm not going to come back without him. Jesus says, I will. I will not come back without them. Jesus says, I will take the blame for them, just as Judah said. So Jesus comes and came and offered himself as our substitute in that great exchange to sacrifice himself. Jesus, the lion of the, the tribe of Judah, the sacrifice, the surety, the promise of safety for his people. And so therefore we see we can trust in him as our Lord and Saviour, as our surety, as our promise, as our guarantee for safety. When times are hard, when we are feeling weak and insecure, who do we put our trust in? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Let us pray. Our Father God, we come to you knowing that you have given us a saviour, Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is able to save, the one who is our safety, our security, the one who sacrificed himself. And so, Father God, we thank you that in him we do find that safety in, in, in him, he will bring us home to you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We conclude our worship this evening on this Lord's Day. Psalm 71. Psalm 71, singing verses 14 through to 17. Psalm 71, verses 14 to 17. But I, with expectation, will hope continually, and yet with praises more and more I will thee magnify. Thy justice and salvation my mouth abroad shall show, even all the day, for either of the numbers do not know. Psalm 71, verses 14 to 17. services will be held, God willing, on Thursday, uh, the Reverend Woods at half seven, and Friday at half past seven with Reverend McGlynn, and also the Kirk session will meet beforehand uh, at seven o'clock. Saturday, uh, Reverend Thomas Buchanan at 7 p.m., and then the Lord's Day services at 11 a.m. with the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and 6.30 p.m., uh, Thomas Buchanan Reverend Thomas Buchanan will be taking those services. And then Monday, in conclusion, at half past seven, uh, Reverend Thomas Buchanan will close the communion season. Anyone who is a communicant member in another congregation of the FCC or another denomination and who wishes to join this congregation as a communicant member, please submit a disjunction certificate to the Kirk session as soon as possible. 
Those wishing to come forward by profession of faith or who don't have a distinction certificate can do so during the communion season. And please note that only members on the communicant role of this congregation will have a vote in the election of a new minister. A prior notice of the congregation meeting with regard to the vacancy, this will, God willing, be held on Thursday, 29th of September at 7.30pm, conducted by the Reverend McGlynn, interim moderator of this congregation. And note that there will be no Sabbath school next Lord's Day. And the September Witness and Explorer magazines are now available for collection on the table in the vestibule. And so now, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost with you all. Amen.